Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. <laughs> I just saw Brad, your name on the screen. <laughs> I don't get it. Do you not read the messenger chat? No. Oh my. Do you read? <laughs> Be honest, can you read or can you only interpret numbers in a spreadsheet? Oh my god, he's going to research it now. I, uh, I still don't see it. Yeah. All right, you let us know when you figure it out. <laughs> you can tell how jarring it is for uh Evan when we have to do a late podcast. So for context, the game just ended on Sunday night. We hopped on uh, to record right after. Oh, God. Evan's in, Evan's in some kind of distress right now. We've made him think, and it's not even a minute into the episode. I don't <laughs> I don't see what you're talking about at all. That's incredible. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was, what, yesterday or the day before in the group chat? Can't be he that far have back. To go back. Yeah, he can't take all day looking for this. It's not possible. Evan, can you actually not read? Yeah, I can. I just don't understand what that's right. Re- I see nothing referencing Brad's name. That's amazing. Uh, well, Brad's name on the screen is Evan's Wagon, and uh, maybe I'll leave that there for now. I even uh, tweeted a screenshot of that part of our group chat. Well, oh, I definitely didn't see it. that. I yeah. know you wouldn't have seen that. Oh, it's uh, up there. Okay. There. Now we're getting there. Oh, I definitely my- didn't see any of this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I didn't reply for like two days. <laughs> of course, no. I didn't see it. Well, my actual opening to the show was going to be times when we're wrong and it's fun. You know, uh, between last episode and now, the news came out that Evgeny Sveshnikov had been called up from the taxi squad. And it was the moment of celebration. And then, okay, everyone, just be cool. It's all right. He hasn't played in the NHL in a long time. This is a guy with a rocky development path. You're going to see rust. Don't expect too much. And as Sveshnikov said, hey, screw you, buddy. (laughs) Two goals, three points in two games. The only pretty much bright point of this past game. It's nice to be wrong in the best of ways. Absolutely. Just when we thought there was no end in sight for the power play, just when we thought that they were going to healthy scratch Evgeny Sveshnikov for the next 37 years, the Red Wings play him. In back-to-back games, he scores in back-to-back games, and the Red Wings get power play goals in back-to-back games. What a time to be alive. The only regret I have from a Red Wings perspective for the last um, three games uh, isn't the the ugly loss that, you know, we just watched Detroit suffer to Chicago. Um, I don't care about that. Honestly, like, whatever. If they're, they're going to take two of three and they split the series against a surprisingly strong Chicago team, fine by me. I'm pissed off that Kane actually got his 400th against Detroit. I was hoping they could hold him away from it because it was just so satisfying watching the commentators almost literally beg for the goal to happen so they could talk about it. You know, NBCSN stands for National Broadcast of Chicago Sports Network. I'm, I can only presume. like they And, like, credit to them. It's a big milestone. Yeah, Kane's, you know, an all-time great player, sure, all that. But it's just – it would have been so sweet for this basement Red Wings bottom feeder team to just stop Patrick Kane from being able to hit that milestone. So, can't win them all. Yeah, this basic uh, basement Red Wings team couldn't stop anything. <laughs> which we'll get to in a second uh but first welcome to the winged wheel podcast i'm ryan henna i'm evan's wagon i'm evan 
<laughs> you sound so uncomfortable telling them that you're Evan after Brad declared that he was your wagon. <laughs> that was maybe, that was the best part of our group chat in the last like year. Yeah, for context, uh, we were joking around about the typical sponsorships you hear on podcasts, <laughs> and I referenced a you know very popular company, and I'm sure I have never tried the products. Uh, I won't name them. No free ads. And uh, and I was like, use promo code Evans Wagon for sixty nine percent off some boxers. And I I don't even think I'm that fun like uh, that or I am that funny, but it got Brad in the right way. It was it was a little less PG than that, and yeah, it just it struck the right chord. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we jump into it, I actually want to talk about uh, very quickly here something that kind of was born in Red Wings fandom, and I think that this good karma and good energy was sent into the hockey universe and the hockey gods smiled down on the red wings which is why we did end up seeing a power play goal almost directly after this was started um user reddit user on the detroit red wings subreddit uh, denver underscore law 14 had the brilliant idea to uh, take the amount of failed power plays that the red wings you know were going through on their streak from their last power play goal which was january 28th and whenever it ended, uh, people would commit to donating $1 for every failed power play uh, in that time period. So uh, that was picked up. And uh, Prashanth actually brought it over to Twitter and uh, got Red Wings Twitter engaged in it. And we all said, yeah, we're going to match this. Let's do this. And, and everyone was excited about it. And then I think it was one more failed power play. and Or was it the very next power play that they scored on? Something like that. It wasn't too far after. So it ended on 40 even uh, failed power plays. They were 0 for 40. They scored on their 41st try. Uh, it was nearly a month between power play goals. So that was all well and good. And we'll talk about the power play goal. But the fantastic thing is that between uh, Denver Law's fundraiser on Reddit and Prashanth uh, keeping track of it over on Twitter, uh, the Jamie Daniels Foundation received nearly... And I'm sure it's passed it by now, $10,000 in donations and counting, um, which is an absolutely incredible mark. For those of you who don't know, the Jamie Daniels Foundation is set up uh, in memory of Ken Daniels' son, Jamie Daniels. It is for an excellent cause. It's for uh, the treatment of you know, substance addiction and desigmatizing uh, the issues surrounding that. It's just a, such a phenomenal charity, one that we've donated to and and uh, directed people to in the past. So honestly, stick taps to both Denver Law and Prashanth for everything that they've done. It's It got picked up by Bar Down, which is really cool. Um, it's kind of spreading across hockey Twitter. So I really hope that 10,000 mark is a thing of the past and we see it blow way past that. Um, we decided that it was appropriate for us to... Uh, donate 40 bucks each because three hosts complaining about 40 failed power plays. It's only fair. Um, someone held me or someone asked if they score in their next game, will you commit to a hundred bucks? And I said, yes. So uh, I had to top that off with another 60, which I was very happy to do. Uh, if you guys haven't done it, let me actually get the, uh, the website for you here. It's uh, Jamie Daniels foundation.org head over there. You can hit donate and, um, it's just a, such a fantastic cause and really what better way to redirect Red Wings fandom's frustration with the power play into something that brings good into this world. It can't be all negative energy. This is the old Bill's Mafia special. Everything sucks. So let's help someone out, which funny enough, I did see this posted on the Buffalo Bills subreddit because they know 
built mafia <laughs> always gets behind stuff like this and it worked <laughs> the detroit buffalo brotherhood is one thing it's it's a thing to behold and it's really really heartwarming and i like that detroit the the red wings have adopted the bills method of of you break tables and you break record breaking uh your you break uh, fundraising records those are the two things you break exactly don't don't break your tvs don't break glasses nothing like that you break tables i i'm i'm not sure we're gonna see red wings fans jumping through tables like bill's mafia anytime soon although hey brad you can always start that tradition you can't no we got to start a new tradition and we can't start until they make the playoffs so we got to figure this out we got time. We got time. Yeah. Again, uh, jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Around 10K now. Let's see how far we can get it. Good job, Red Wings, Red Wings fans. This is, a, this is a nice thing. This is probably the highlight of the ceiling, ceiling the season. And uh, it came from you guys. Good for you. All right. Uh, last episode, a little bit, little bit doom and gloom. A little down in the dumps. We just saw a, a pretty... It was crummy. Let's put, let's leave it at that. This episode, two wins out of three games, and in both of them, even in the loss, Sveshnikov scored. You're talking about the kind of Red Wings season that we can expect to have that is reasonable for both fans' enjoyment and, you know, understanding that this isn't going to be the best team in the world. Hey, I'm pretty happy with that slate of games. So... Let, let's start with the positive. We'll start with Evgeny Svechnikov. So first thing I got to say is, Plashil, do you see? Do you see? Anyways, um, a young player comes in the lineup, does good things. Is Evgeny Svechnikov going to play at a goal per game pace for the rest of his career? Oh, of course not. Is he going to have some lengthy slumps? Probably. But he did things in these two games on two of his three points. He did things that 90% of the Red Wings forwards can't do. Just physically, skill set-wise, whatever you want to call it. The puck protection and the backhand pass into traffic when he set up Franz Nielsen for a tapping goal is a play we don't see that often from the Red Wings. His oh, his power play goal, the way he caught that pass on his strong side, t- opened up his hips, turned in one motion, snapped it high, short side. Art, love it. Imagine the Red Wings power play with a shooting threat from the left side. It's a whole new world. Um, he Again, it's not like he was dominant in these games. He certainly made his mistakes, but he had an overall positive impact in his two games, which is great. And that's all we're hoping for. I still don't have high hopes for Evgeny Svechnikov to be a top six forward. But the first two games, he's looked like he could be a really good third line winger that contributes. Great. I'm happy. That's an upgrade on over half this roster. Well over half, probably, truthfully, but I'm happy for the guy. Um, Next positive, the power play. Two goals. Remember how I talked about uh, Christian Juice is really, really good at stepping into the slot and creating offense? Oh, my God. That's how they ended the power play slump. Zadina put it down low to Fabry. Fabry found a seam into the middle of the ice, which Christian Juice decided to occupy, faked the shot, defenseman bit, cut high blocker side on Subban. We're going to talk about Malcolm Subban in a bit, but that's no goalie stopping that shot. High that's blocker a great just way. The bar. Yeah, that's a great way. Like, you know, we've had a, a, a lot of, you know, there's been periods where there's been absolutely no point shooting. There's been periods where defensemen have just been firing point shots into 
not really into traffic, but more into shin guards and, and the crowd and things like that. And I love what Juice do, does, like you just said, that little, like, sometimes it's a fake shot, sometimes it's a head fake. He commits all of the defenders into their lane, and then he breaks out that lane to his left and goes high blocker. Like, fantastic play, very agile play. You have to be a mobile defenseman on blue line to do it. Man, I love watching Christian Juice. Same way we, we sing Stetcher's praises, Christian Juice was a nice little pickup for the Red Wings. Yeah, he's been a phenomenal pickup for the Red Wings, considering they gave nothing up for him. Um, and funny enough, the two Red Wings goals, power play goals, Juices and Svechnikovs, were the first two Red Wings power play goals where they actually scored on the play they planned on scoring. Every other power play goal was a, a rebound, Bertuzzi batting something out of the air, a puck deflecting in the slot over to Mantha on his side, which... Any power plays going to get goals like that. It's fine. I'm not trying to diminish those that much. But Zadina passed to Fabry. Fabry passed to Juice, who found the opening, and he scored. It didn't require a fluky tip. It didn't require a rebound. It didn't require any luck whatsoever. It was just a good power play setup that led to a goal. Same thing with Svechnikov's goal. Zadina was teeing off earlier in the power play. Puck went back to Hironik at the point. The Hawks overcommitted to Zadina's side. Hironik put it over to Svechnikov, who had that unbelievable curl and drag release. Not catch and release, I should say. High short side. Like, no fluke required. No shitty goaltending required. That's just a puck that goes in in the NHL. So it was, not only was it nice to finally see power play goals, like they were earned. Like these are power play goals that would go in against any team in any situation. It was, it was nice to see. So, I mean, I'm going to be negative in a minute. Don't worry. But honestly, it was, it was fantastic. Like if you can get one power play goal like that, a game, you're going to have a top tier power play. So, Hey, it's a small sample size, but it's progress. Um, I know you want to be negative in a minute here, Brad, but I, I do want to jump backwards one game, the Nashville game where they won five, two, yep. um, it, let's be real here. First of all, that game was one, not because of Rene playing poorly. Um, yes, it was. Well, it, 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 it was a huge contributing factor. I think it should be recognized that the Red Wings hit like a ton of posts, like three, a ridiculous amount of posts right before. Uh, Sam Gagne started scoring, which how cool Sam Gagne hat trick for the first time since 2012. That was awesome. Um, Rene had a, another stinker game. I don't, he's gifted a couple more than a couple bad, really bad goals to the Red Wings this year, but, uh, that was a prototypical. This is the kind of game that we can reasonably expect the Red Wings to win. Bernier played amazingly as he has been lately. Um, they had some puck luck, which it had to happen at some point. And the other team was both bad and their goaltending wasn't supporting them. Those are games where we would want the Red Wings to keep up. So the fact that Sam Gagne, even if it was three or two or three shitty goals, but they all went in, that's the kind of game that you can reasonably expect the Red Wings to win or at least be competitive in. And so for them to win 5-2, excellent to see. Very happy with that. Um, and the reason I'm going over this is because I think 
lately we've been really in the weeds on things we wish the Red Wings were doing better, which is sometimes like very negative and sometimes it's just like, meh, this kind of sucks. But to some degree, it seems like, you know, we might be expecting too much of the Red Wings. Maybe we don't say this enough, so I'm going to say it now. It's really important to note that we understand and fans should understand this is a rebuilding team in a rebuilding year. So when we're talking about, uh, you know, this season should be better than last season, we don't mean we're, we've turned the corner and we're accelerating down the main straight on this rebuild now, not even a little bit. Like we're saying last year was an aberration with how bad it was. We just expect the Red Wings to be a normal level of bad. This is still going to be a bottom feeding team. This is still a rebuilding team. They are not going to win quite a few of their games. They're not even going to look competitive in a lot of their games, but there need to be certain little things that have to be better within the game. And if they have a game where they do 10 out of 10 things right, you know, those small minutia of the game that we constantly discuss and they still lose, that's completely fine by our books. That that means progress because the end result is, is going to be the same. It's going to be a bad team. They're going to be at the bottom of the standings. They're going to have a high pick, probably fourth highest because that's the way the draft lottery goes. But it's just those little things. So if it seems like if you're thinking, what are these two sometimes three hosts talking about like why are they expecting so much of the red wings please note that it's all relative don't lose sight of that we like we haven't we hope you don't and if you need us to remind you just let us know happy (laughs) happy to say the word rebuild one thousand times yeah and it is what it is and you know specifically that nashville game where pekka rene was the red wings first star and when you look at the shots in that game and the scoring chances in that game the reason the Red Wings won that game was the goaltending battle. Bernier stood on his head. Rene, two of Sam Gagne's three goals don't even hit the net if there isn't a Pekka Rene there and they end up in the net. So it is what it is. And that game was frustrating because Rene was playing horribly and the Red Wings refused to shoot the puck for 50 minutes, which was just maddening. It's like, guys, he's literally letting in a beach ball. Darren Helm takes a wrist shot from the top of the circles and Rene loses it and gifts Adam Ernie a goal. Like, but the reason I don't feel guilty, I don't even know if that's the right word. The reason I don't feel guilty when the Red Wings win games like that is because it all balances out. The Red Wings have been bad all year, but they had a couple games early in the year they should have they lost that they should have won. So whether that was because of some bad luck, some good goaltending, whatever. They were the better team and they lost. It happens. So when they go into games like the first game against Chicago or that game against Nashville, and they're the crappier team, but they win. It's fine. That's just balance. That's just the odds evening out. But make no mistake, pay attention to how the actual game goes and don't just recite the box score after. after. We're sitting here after three Red Wings games between now and the last episode. The Red Wings were the crappier team in all three of those games. Like there's no way around that, but they faced some bad goaltending. They played opportunistic, which is good. They finally started not getting caved in the special teams battle and they came up with a couple wins and we can enjoy that. We can be happy about it. But after that Nashville game, I didn't want to harsh anybody's buzz or anybody's, but I started seeing tweets and articles. Oh, the Red Wings found their formula for success. Oh, this is how the Red Wings win games. No, no, that was not the blueprint. Play a really bad goalie and have your goalie stand on his head. Yeah, that's going to work sometimes, but not most of the time. There is the Red Wings have had games where they have 
produced a formula that's like, okay, this is what we need you to do. These were not them. And it wasn't just the Nashville game. They got outshot 39 to 31, I think. Not a huge difference. Not good, but good enough. In the Blackhawks game on Saturday night, the scoring chances, and I've got this saved here because I want to bring it up. The scoring chances were 49 to 19 for Chicago. Think about that. <laughs> 49 to 19. And the Red Wings won 5-3. There are two reasons you can see a stat line like that and Chicago loses the game. And those two reasons are Jonathan Bernier and Malcolm Subban. And again, it's fine. When when you see a play like Juice made to score the power play goal, that's a good play. The Svechnikov's goal and an assist, good plays. We're happy. But just don't mistake enjoying the game and being happy with this is how the team is successful. It's not. They've played better games than these two this year and lost. And I, you can have better moral victories out of those. So again, it was great. They were opportunistic. The power play improved. Evgeny Svechnikov was good. Philip Zadin has looked good. There's been a lo- legitimately a lot of positives to take out of these three games. But my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's my point, and I, I think here's where we disagree a little bit. Like, first of all, yes, you're right that relying on the other team's goaltender to be so bad that literally both fan bases, the commentators, the the, the goalie's mom, everyone is on Twitter saying, holy shit, this is a terrible game. Like if you get Evan to make a comment about how bad you've been, that you've had a terrible game. Um, that you can't not rely on that. That's not a blueprint, blueprint for success. Completely agree, Brad. But takeaways from the, the these few games, you know, Svechnikov, what a great start. Great that he contributed right away. Juice has played well, broke the power play, uh, uh, scoreless streak. Um, Jonathan Bernier, you know, great game. Red Wings converted on a terrible goaltender or a goaltender or goalie playing terrible hockey. Like those were enough to, in a hodgepodge, like really dirty, like you stole this win hockey, win a game. I think you're right to say don't take that as a blueprint for success. I think you're right to say no, this isn't a, a, an indicator that the Red Wings are all of a sudden, you know, a, a playoff team. Sure. But I'm happy. Because those are certain, like individual facets of the game or certain players doing the right things that we want to see. Like we keep preaching, this team isn't going to win a lot, so we want to see certain things go well. Those were the certain things going well. It just happened that this time it turned into a win. I'm going to level with you, Brad. If Svechnikov scored and Bernier played great and Gagne got his hat trick against a terrible goalie, but the Red Wings still lost by a goal, I probably would have been just as happy. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have been just as happy, but no, that's that's kind of the point I was saying is because there's been games the Red Wings played better than they did in those two games and lost this season because they were playing a good goalie or a better team. And yeah, we all sat here after and said, yeah, it was a good game. Sucks they lost, but it was a good game. Moral victory. Do you know what's more fun than moral victories? Actual victories. So even if the Red Wings fluke their way into a two-game winning streak, enjoy it. That's that's the balance of hockey. You're going to lose games you should have won and you're going to win games you should have lost. So there's no shame in winning if you if you get outchanced 49 to 19 and you win that game, you're allowed to be happy. My only negative 
to the reaction was that is people were taking the like what the Red Wings did is a little too literally. Oh my God, this bottom six might not be terrible. Adam Ernie scoring, Luke Lindenning scoring, Franz Nielsen scoring. No, no. They played bad for the most part. They were who they were. They got some lucky breaks. Let them let them believe that Nielsen thinks Oblash will keep Sveshnikov in. Right. There we go. Sveshnikov's the secret ingredient to activate Nielsen. That's what we were missing all exactly. along. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I, all I'm saying is this Red Wings team isn't any different than they were two weeks ago. They haven't played any better or worse, by and large, than they've been playing all season. Enjoy it. We're not going to get many goaltending performances like that. When the Red Wings put up a 10 spot in two games, oh, hell yeah. I'm all about it. I mean, they gave up 10 goals in the next two games, but you know. Um, <laughs> Au contraire, Brad. They get to play Malcolm Subban and Pecorine quite a bit this year, so... I don't know how many games Malcolm Subban is going to be getting from here on out outside of totally back-to-backs. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah, but here's the benefit of playing Nashville. UC Saros also sucks, so we we might have something there. We might. Uh, Thomas Grice is statistically the worst goalie in the NHL right now, but I doubt uh, Not a great game from Thomas Grice. No, no, no. I hate to – I what's the phrase Evan used the one time? Yuck your yum. I hate to yuck everyone's yum. I hate to yuck my own yum. I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you 100%. That was 1,000% you. No. Was it not him? I don't know who said it, but I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what's that uh, thing where if you go on the internet and you say something incorrectly, that's the only way you'll get the right answer? Yeah, fair enough. I I just cite anything to Evan that he didn't actually say, and that's the only way to get him to unmute himself. Yes. Yeah, there you go. He he did it and then muted himself. Um. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Uh, the it, There should be credit given to the Red Wings, though. They won the Chicago game without Larkin. Larkin was missing for both of the Chicago games last second. Fabry was gone for the second game. Stetcher's been out since the 19th. Like, not a very healthy team. Not a healthy team at all. You're When you're missing Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Fabry, that's literally three of your top six. Yeah, and their backup goalie is allergic to pucks. It's fine. Everything's fine. I mean, I don't want to pile on grace obviously tonight wasn't his fault he didn't really help his own case all that much but <laughs> we talk about Rene and we talk about suban like great yeah grace definitely wasn't a better goalie this weekend we bernier it, it, there's gonna be a lot more of this whole bernie is doing all the winning for detroit ordeal i just get that sense yeah and you know if bernie was in net tonight would detroit have won the game no course not would it have been closer yeah probably there's a, a sick part of me that is kind of happy it's working out this way because before the year everybody was anointing grace as the starter and i think we and he was the starter opening night and i think we even sat here and said this is probably going to happen and it shouldn't because nobody appreciate truly appreciates what jonathan bernier did last season the fact that he's doubled down is playing even better this year is very satisfying. I wish it wasn't at the expense of Grace playing so horribly, but it's good. Maybe this will be what makes Red Wings fans appreciate Bernier the way they should have for the last year and a half. Or conversely, maybe this is what gets some real premium asset at the trade deadline for Jonathan Bernier, honestly. Yeah, how long does this guy need to be playing at like a 9-17, 9-18 on a bad team before someone gives up a second round pick for him? Honestly, and 
given what the Red Wings goaltending options are next year right now, I don't even know if the Red Wings take a second for him. They might need him for a couple more years. They might not be able to give him up. Eisenman is just putting a contract in front of him like, please, please. And Bernie's like, yeah, no, I'm done with this. But obviously, if they don't have him signed to an extension before the deadline, you have to try and move him. That's the golden rule of unrestricted free agents with value. But yeah, it's. I mean, and he's, I, I feel like Bernier is still not getting the recognition around the league that he deserves. He's putting together another season where there's got to be someone sitting there and going, yeah, this guy should probably be on a few people's Vezina ballots. Not that he's going to win it. He's not having the season that some of the top guys are, although it's been a wonky year and a lot of the top guys aren't having good years. But he's there. He's in the conversation. The Red Wings defense has improved, but isn't good. Their special teams are tragic. He gets, well, nobody on the Red Wings gets goal support and he is still winning games and he's still keeping them in games and he's still pulling miracles out of his ass. So it's good to see Bernier finally start to get the appreciation from the fan base that he deserves, even if everybody outside of uh, Detroit's bubble doesn't quite yet realize it. I feel like, okay, so, you know, power play record, has we didn't the Red Wings didn't surpass 59 the the streak stopped at 40 they scored on the 41st that's excellent news Sveshnikov came in two goals and an assist in his first two games this season excellent news the Red Wings had their injuries they won a game despite it actually two of the three games great um the tra- I'm happy we're, we're having the trade talk because yeah we talk every year about Bernier and here's the price we would be comfortable with or we would hope Eisenman could get for Bernier, but it's all with the biggest as- biggest asterisk you can find because goalies just generally don't get moved. Teams generally don't trade for goalies. Like It's, it's hard to predict when they're going to do it. And you're right that he hasn't been appreciated across the league, but I am seeing a little bit more from fan bases across the NHL where they're saying, hey, Bernier, like, this is a guy who's showing up. And then they accidentally peek at last year's stats and they're like, huh, there's a stretch last year where you had like a 925 or something like that. Um, You're right that this year is a little wonkier and a lot of good goalies are playing poorly and playoff teams might be looking to try to to shelter shelter them or back them up a little bit more strongly. That could lead to him being moved. He can continue to perform like this. That could lead to him being moved. I don't want to say this is the most likely year that Bernier could be moved, but it's definitely not as off the radar as I thought it might be when we started the season. When we started the season, I thought because of finances due to COVID, because of everything else, I just feel like this might be um, not a good year for the trade deadline period. But with Bernier playing how he is, there's a real chance that thread gets picked back up. And that's one to monitor. So you can add him to the Bobby Ryan, you can add him to the Mark Stahl. But most importantly, and this is a player I want to pivot to, the Luke Glendening story. You know, we joke and we joke and we joke, you know, Fox Sports Detroit, Ken and Mick, they always talk about Glenn Denning's faceoff percentage. And, you know, we poke fun, but in all reality, what else positive do they have to talk about? And Glenn Denning is the best faceoff man in the league right now. And that is worth talking about. How much you think faceoffs contribute to the game is an argument maybe for a different day, but you know, teams value that, you know, GMs value that. And I do think faceoffs have an important role to play when you're a team good enough to capitalize on the possession. That's probably my take on it. If you're a team that's good enough to capitalize on the possession, you're probably a buyer at the deadline. Look, 
when NBC started talking about it today, I was like, holy shit. Luke Lundenning might actually get a late first round pick. I'm not saying you should hope for it. I'm not saying that's reasonable, but like everybody is talking about him Print as it. if he's Patrick Kane. Print it. Print, Print it. Yeah. Put it on the t-shirt. <laughs> Quote me on that. No, like it's as if Eisenman has paid a lot of people to talk about it just to pump the tires and he's going to get some Jim Rutherford type or some, you know, Bowman type and they're going to trade for uh, a, a a bottom six player who can come in and be a face-off specialist, which isn't something you've seen since like the early 2000s. I have no idea what to make of this because again, I like Luke Lindenning, but I feel like I've been a realist on Luke Lindenning. He's a good, effective fourth line center. He's nothing more than that on a good team. He he should never sniff anything beyond the fourth line if if he's the guy they want to throw out in the final minute to win a key face off and and help clear the zone block a lot of shots great other than his face off percentage guys like Luke Glenn, Luke Glendening are a dime a dozen though that's a reality but you love for you love them you root for them Glendening's Glendening's got a better backstory than most of them but he has two goals in like 50 games Bear, uh, j- i think just as many assists in that time he is a black hole offensively I mean, if we get a late first round pick for him, that's a heist. But I don't think that would happen in a normal year. And I think it's even less likely this year with quarantine protocols and whatnot. Like uh, you look at the top of the league and and teams that could use a Luke Lindenning. It's a long list. But given when the trade deadline is, how many games he would have to miss in a trade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to knock down the value significantly. Um, the uncertainty with what's going on in the two drafts probably isn't making teams all that comfortable moving picks because they don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, you know, if they knew definitively that the the draft was going to be in July, oh, hell, we're not going to be able to scout these kids properly anyway, but we know what Luke Lindenning is. Sure, trade whatever pick. They don't know that yet, though. We don't know that. No one does. The league doesn't know that. So I, I think that's going to knock trade values down a little bit. That being said, this is phenomenal. This is this is old hockey men speaking something into existence. Because again, I've mentioned it a lot of times. Analytics definitively show faceoffs do not impact the game all that much. You need to be able to create at both ends of the ice to be an effective top nine player in the NHL. Glenn Dennings half that. Yeah, he has value. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he can help a contender. But the fact there's even talk he could get a late first round pick is insane to me, and I love it. Yeah, I I have a real soft spot for Luke Lindenning. Honestly, like you, you remove production offensively at like from the scenario, which is a ridiculous thing to do when you're talking hockey, of course. Um, but this is a heart and soul guy you know scrappy came in as a walk-on or whatever the story is like from the ground up built every part of his game to make the nhl and he's stuck he's one of those guys where you see like a bottom six grinder with an a in their jersey and a lot of people are like "Ugh, that's just a bad team who couldn't find anyone else other than the veterans i think glenn denning deserves one yeah he doesn't contribute offensively but he's a guy who just works his absolute tail off for this team and honestly if he doesn't get traded and he gets brought on for a a cheap contract cheap short-term contract 
that's the kind of, you know, heart and soul grit guy that I'm happy to have on the Red Wings. Like he's a fan favorite for a good reason. But yeah, when you have a guy with as little offensive impact as he has and really shouldn't ever have to be asked, and this isn't his fault. It's not a a knock on Luke Lundenning. I think he does fine for the kind of player he is who's asked too much, who's and too much is asked of him, I should say. Um, He should never be above that third line. Whenever he slots in on that second or first line or on, you know, the power play, it really should not be the case. Um, And that's not on him. And I think with his work ethic... I think I think a contending team should trade for Luke Lindenning. And we've said that for years. I don't think they'd be smart to give up a late first, but hey, like I don't know, we ripped on Tampa Bay for giving up that for Blake Coleman, who I think is a substantially more impactful player than Luke Lindenning. I just want to put that out there. But if they want to trade a second or a third, hey, I'd be thrilled as a Red Wings fan and I'd be thrilled for Glendenning and I think he could be impactful. Come playoffs, if you have a guy whose job it is to just piss off and shut down the other team's absolute best player, come in, win a key faceoff, and kill a couple key penalties, that's a guy who you're going to remember when that team's skating around with the cup. Those are the kind of performances that matter in the playoffs, and that's that's where I think Luke Glendening would really find his value on a contending team. But yeah, over the course of an 82-game season or 56 or whatever we have this year, he's not a second-line player. So... No, and and Luke Glendening is still effective, but he's not even as effective as Luke Glendening once was. He's well into his 30s now. He's not the same player that shut down Tyler Johnson in the 2015 playoffs. Luke Glendening is a uh, a fascinating case study in reputation versus what they actually are. And it, it happens a lot around hockey. Like, I think you ask... 100 hockey fans, who's the best goalie in the world right now? Half of them are going to say Carey Price. Carey Price has been a below average goalie for four years now. Like he just, his save percentage is 893 and Claude Julian lost his job. I don't think that's a coincidence. And there's a million other examples you can point to in the NHL like that. Evgeny Malkin is well under a point per game, but still revered as one of the best players in the world. I mean, players age, man. It's not a knock against Glendening or Malkin or Price or anybody it happens. It's fine. Nobody should be mad at them for it, but it's just, it's reputation and reputation matters. And it's amazing to me that this is happening to a fourth line player because it usually doesn't happen to fourth line players. The same point I made about Nielsen. Let's just let this ride. Let's just let this ride. Um, No. And you know what? Great all around because what do we have to lose? We're out here just memeing and donating money to charity. That's essentially all the Red Wings fan, all Red Wings fans have right now. Um, I have a note in here, and I want to put this out there. And you know, I was making fun of Brad here for yucking everyone's yum and being negative, and I'm only saying that again because I know you hate it. It's like the word moist for you. Um, that doesn't bother you, but yuck your yum does. Got it. Okay. Um. I've been probably, I don't want to say a staunch defender. I don't like when we talk about that. I think we always try to take an objective take as to what, or analysis as to what's happening. But I've been quick to celebrate the good, the things that Anthony Mantha's done right. Man, that's not Anthony Mantha out there. And that's not to say like, oh, it's not his fault. It is absolutely his fault. But he has not looked good. Like he, sure, Anthony Mantha, his absolute worst is better than a lot of the Red Wings, but that's not good enough. Like Anthony Mantha looks uninspired out there, especially this past weekend. Like 
invisible. This past game, terrible. Like, the the shots even have reduced. He's not even taking the bad shots anymore. There There's something here that doesn't add up. And I know a lot of people will be screaming right now in their car or wherever to say he's always been lazy or he's always done this or he's this is the kind of player he's always been and you've just been blind to it. Honestly, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I've just been blind to it because he has the raw skill set that he ha- that he has. He has those tools and and it's allowed me to just kind of skip over the rest. But this is as bad as it's been since, you know, Mantha's early days before he started to thrive. I've not seen this this amount of poor play from Mantha in a long time. I I'll say I haven't ever seen Mantha play like this. Not in junior, not in Grand Rapids, not in Detroit. This is a special level of bad where He's waving his stick at opponents, even if he's within a stride of them. And as we've seen before, Anthony's not slow. He can catch these players. He's losing board battles routinely, which anybody who watched him the last two years, he he won puck battles on the boards at like a 98% rate because he was so much more skilled and so much stronger than whoever the hell he was going in there with. He would unload shots from crazy angles, get into scoring lanes, and just he, he looked like a point per game player. And now he, Christ, I'm not convinced Rasmussen wouldn't do a better job than what he's doing right now. And Rasmussen doesn't have three quarters of the talent Anthony Mantha does. I look at, if I didn't see this whole season and this was in a bubble, if I watched his last three games, you would not be able to convince me he wasn't injured. Now, maybe that is the case, but it's been so long. There's no way at this point. And he's been a healthy scratch. And yeah, he's, he's and he's had his flashes. We've seen a couple games from Mantha where we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there, there he is. No, he's he's terrible. He's unmotivated. He's giving up on plays. He's man. This strikes me a lot like Dubois when he wanted out of Columbus, yet somehow worse. So I don't know. Obviously, this falls on Mantha because whatever Blashill's trying to do to get something out of him, it's not working. So Anthony's got to just pick his own ass up and get something going here. But yeah, he he does not look even a fraction of what he has the last couple of years. Must be my fault because I picked him up for fantasy this year. Yeah, you. It's honestly the few things you do do, Evan. They're all wrong. I know. Every time, every time I take a Red Wings player in my fantasy, they just have a terrible, terrible year. Last time it was Jonathan Erickson. I took him for 10 years straight. <laughs> but I wonder, uh, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and there's a couple of guys in the, around the league, mostly on my fantasy team, um, that have just been terrible. And I just wonder if Mantha has got COVID and has lingering effects and they just never talked about it. It literally looks like his like lungs no, just aren't functioning. He has no cardio at all. And that's like a very common s- symptom or lingering effect of COVID. I struggle with that. I don't love speculating on a player's health. Print it. <laughs> um, and it's complicated because the NHL is so secretive about injury reports and things like that. And like with COVID, there's a discussion of... Is this something that fans should know about through normal like player injury information, or is this a personal thing? And that's been a weird gray area. Um, I think that something would have come out by now. You'd think, yeah, because everyone else who's been sluggish, they've 
confirmed at some point or another that they had COVID and it was just out in the general space. I don't think it's injury. I don't, I don't think it's illness. I don't think so either. I'm just trying to grasp at something. There are people who are who are adamant that this has always been in been Mantha's way and that his he's coasted on talent more than effort. And you know what? This isn't me chastising them. It's not me criticizing them. By all rights, if you take this entire season to date as a sample, they're correct. Like Mantha has, by and large, not shown the level of effort and compete he needed to. There have been times where I'm like, oh, yeah, he does look like either hurt or, or winded there. But there's been times where I'm like, waving his stick, Brad, is the exact right way to say it. He's played in ways where like my, you know, house league or double A coaches when I was a kid, they, I would have been doing bag skates for hours. I would have done bag skates the entire practice for doing the things that he did out there, mostly because I was a defenseman and why would I be playing as a winger? But that's a different story. Um, I, it's I, to the point where I don't even like saying he wants out. It, it's, it's the, the long and short of it is it's inexcusable and Mantha needs to figure it out. That's it. That's like, that's all I can. The only conclusion I can come to. I I, for, I don't even know who tweeted it, but I just stumbled across the tweet in my timeline tonight on the Zadorov goal, where he just cruised down Main Street as the fourth guy into the zone and and ripped one on Grace, and Mantha was the closest one to him. And at no point did Mantha look like he even gave a shit to be on the ice, let alone try and catch Zadorov. And someone tweeted there like, "I'm not sure Mantha would have been able to catch him." But it would have been nice if he tried. Like, just yeah. don't, just don't make it so obvious. The old, uh, your controller has disconnected. Look, it, it, I don't know. It's because again, and and touching on what you said, people can say, "Oh, Mantha's always been this player." No, no, he hasn't. You're wrong. He was a damn near point per game player last year. He, he essentially was a point per game player. And this year, he's got what like two points in a thousand games. That's not the same player. The stats say that's not the same player. The eye test says it's not the same player. He is not the same player. He was, I'm not disagreeing with anything about anybody's criticizing him for this year, but I'm not on the train of he's always been this guy. He hasn't. That's a bad take. That's a lazy take about a lazy player. <laughs> the thing is, it, the, the most frustrating part of it is that there have been, what, like three or four times a season where for a period or maybe a stretch of one or two games, Mantha has turned it on and played at least somewhat like the Mantha we know. And we're like, there we go. It's there. It's so I don't want to say it's so easy to turn on. It's not easy playing at a high level in the National Hockey League, but it's there. That's the Anthony and Mantha we know and love to watch. There it is. Boom. And then, bam, two games later, it's done. The, the only explanations I have are, are two, and I don't even fully believe in either of them. One, he's not the play-driving winger that we thought he could be. There's times where I think, yeah, maybe that's true. To be a true play-driver, he at least has to have some talent around him. So I, I think that's, that's somewhere on a spectrum rather than a hard yes or no. Uh, two, and this one is wishy-washy, and I would never present it in a debate against a Mantha detractor, like a hardcore Mantha detractor, but I think it deserves a little bit of attention. We talk a lot about what a losing team does to players' morale, especially developing players. And whether we like it or not, there's still steps we want to see Mantha take at age 26, but I digress. Is Mantha just completely defeated by playing on a team like this time and time again? I mean... It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for him, but just a, a maybe explainer, at least. Yeah, he his junior team won a QMJHL title, went to the Memorial Cup, Grand Rapids... 
I think won a title while he was still there. Uh, his first couple of years in Detroit, they were still, you know, hanging around the playoffs. Yeah, this is this is very new to him. It is tremendously new to him, and it sucks. Players want to win, but man, you want to win. You got to be a reason your team wins, and he's not one right now. All right, Evan, drop him off your fantasy team. And I'm it not. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, I've been yeah. thinking about it for a while. I'm like, God, oh, he'll he'll get out of this. He will have like a week where he puts up like eight points. No, you're in a league. Saying full that of for, I've been fans. saying that for like six weeks. <laughs> Fantasy hockey is so funny like that because you'll have like an incredible player. Like I have Evgeny Malkin and he's so frustrating to me right now. Like I just hate playing Evgeny Malkin. I have Mika Zibanejad. Oh, I also have Zibanejad, yeah. I think I put up two goals this week. Like I'm winning purely off goaltending and I usually suck on goalies. Although my strategy is if you're in my fantasy hockey league and you start to run on goalies in the second round, I am picking up every viable non-drafted goalie in the league and I'm hoarding them on my team and I'm never trading them to you. And that's your lesson to stop drafting goalies so early. <laughs> um, news from the AHL. Dennis Chalosky. Defensive woes still there. Offensive play and power play quarterbacking. Oh, boy. He's on a little bit of a tear. Uh, Brad, it's easier to talk when you're not muted, I've heard. Yeah, that helps. A, <laughs> a little bit of a tear. He's The whole season so far, he's been on a tear. It's fantastic. And can we just knock something right the hell out right now? Dennis Chalosky is never going to be a defensive wizard. I don't know why people keep thinking he's going to be. If Dennis Chalosky can get to competent defensively that's a huge win and that's all we're all they should be asking of him because you know what dennis chaloski is he's really damn good offensively and there's a million defensemen like him in the nhl and they're valuable to their teams they go out there they help your power play they help you produce offense at five on five and as long as the wheels don't fall off in his own end that's a huge net positive i mean the dude is what he had three points tonight, so he's up to nine points in seven AHL games or something like that right now. They took a point back actually, so it's eight and seven. Scrub, oh no, wash. Oh no, he's only just over a point per game as a defenseman in the second best league in the world. Ah, damn. It's, I mean, there's not. He's not doing anything less than what we could hope. I mean, again, keeping in mind, Dennis Chalosky does not possess the size or the skill set to be a defensive wizard. Accept that. If you only want a team with guys who are well above average defensively, fine, trade him. He's not going to fit into your plans. But what is the true? Why do we love Christian Juice right now? He's competent defensively and he's bringing it offensively. Chalosky's offensive ceiling is higher than Juice's. Whether or not he gets there is a whole nother debate. But it's higher. So if he can get to where a, a Juice or someone similar is defensively, we're happy. Right. And I agree. And I think he's not there defensively. I don't even think he's competent defensively yet. I think he's a little bit of a liability defensively still. And that's why I don't actually disagree with the team and their expectations for him and where he is on that path. I think what they're looking at is... Hey, we want you to call, we want to call you up, but we don't want you to be slightly better offensively, Madison Bowie, because that wasn't really good for the blue line. It was good for the, you know, making fun of you on the podcast, Brad, and it was good for some excitement. But in reality, what does that do for him or the team long term? Not a whole lot. 
And so they need him to get competent defensively. And especially you want to look at, at the Red Wings. The Red Wings from what? 2013. We'll call it 2015 to now. They just suck defensively. This is probably the first time we've seen the Red Wings. Some games play good five on five defense. There's not been a lot much else to say for it. Occasionally they'll score a couple goals. Like these two straight five goal games were practically a miracle. But other than that, those previous years, they've sucked defensively. You're not going to see Steve Eisman or whoever the coaching staff is bring in a guy who's a defensive liability and put him in a prominent role. Whether or not you can expect that from a defenseman, I just, I don't know. I don't want to watch kind of better Madison Bowie. I'd, I'd like to watch a lot better Madison Bowie. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And credit to Matt, to Dennis, Dennis Cholosky. I think there's a world in which he's so good offensively, they're not going, they're, they can just ignore the, the bad defense. But hey, if I could fix one thing about him is is stop being a defensive liability. And that still seems to be a part of his game. So he still has to work at it. And I don't necessarily disagree with him being down for that reason. Well, the Red Wings are very obviously keeping their prospects away from Detroit this year, which is fine. So I don't think even if Cholosky turns it on defensively, that it's going to make all that much of a difference in, in the grand plan for whatever this year was going to be for him. Um but yeah, it, it's a start. If you're going to suck defensively, be really goddamn good offensively. And eight points in seven games is really goddamn good offensively for a defense. That's good for a forward. Remember, he's a defenseman and he's doing it on the power play. Hiroshi's put up points in every game as he's been down there. Rasmussen's co- close to a point per game. I mean, this, these are all fantastic developments. This is exactly what we hoped for all of them. So... Again, whether or not they all pan out to be regulars in the NHL, to be determined, but it's all positive so far. And again, I haven't seen any, because obviously I can't watch a ton of AHL, I haven't seen any report saying Dennis Cholosky's turned into a defensive wizard, but I've seen some people say like, yeah, he's, he's been all right, which is good. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? He might still get his look. Uh this year, I think there's there's going to be a point where they're going to call him up. Um, I love I love Giovanni Smith. I hope to see him up. The reality is just with where the team is at with roster spots and everything like that, he's going to be down more than he is up. Dennis Cholosky, same deal. I would love to see him get the chance, even if he hasn't completely fixed his defensive game. He's going to be down much more than he's up. Uh, there's going to be games where Matias Brome is out where maybe we wouldn't want Matias Brome to be out, all that kind of stuff. I want Evgeny Sveshnikov to stay in unless he's in and he's so bad where they give him no choice, which would be hard to do in the face of some of the other Red Wings bottom six players. Like That's what I want to close out this Red Wings coverage with. Please keep Sveshnikov in the lineup. Please. He's not going to score every game. He's not going to have points every game. There's going to be games where he's going to be invisible, especially if you keep burying him with bad line mates. He's not always going to produce. But please keep him in. Give him special teams opportunities. Give him opportunities up the lineup when possible. That's the kind of thing where I would love to see the Red Wings just make the decision and say, yep, this guy is 25. There's no point sending him down. Give him the spot. It is what it is. Keeps fetch. Hashtag keeps fetch. That's it. Unless there's a better hashtag. I can't. All right. Any Any other points to jump into before we cover overtime? PWHPA games have been fun. Yeah. So that's the Rangers, the Blackhawks, and the Maple Leafs who have all 
sponsored slash hosted a PW uh, professional women's hockey players association game. Yep. And they've been fun. The one tonight, uh, unfortunately coincided with the Red Wings game and uh, our jobs dictate. We watched the Red Wings game, but um, it was nationally broadcast in the States and Canada. Like it was fantastic. It's, it's everything we were hoping for. Couldn't watch the game, but represent. Yeah. The, uh, uh, it, there's these little signs here and it's a complicated issue. And if you ever want to know about it, just listen to Fridge talk about it on 31 thoughts. He was a little gung ho about it the first time he brought it up. And then he caught a lot of heat because there's this divide in the world of women's hockey with the NWHL and the PWHPA who's looking to start essentially a WNHL backed by the NHL. It's a whole thing. We don't have enough time on this episode to, to cover it all, but the PWHPA is gaining a lot of steam. And, um, having the backing from teams and having a lot of backing from players around the league and you're you're seeing a little bit more of a concerted sponsorship from the nhl i think this thing is coming i think we're going to see an nhl back professional women's team uh professional women's league and i hope i hope i hope at least in the early iterations or one of the early expansions we see a detroit team because i would love to have another professional detroit sports team to root for and be sad about when they lose a lot um but no, it's cool stuff. I hope the Red Wings end up hosting a game. I'm not sure what the logistics of that look like, so I'm not going to say, you know, Red Wings, get on it. I'm sure it's a complicated thing, but uh, that'd be cool if the Red Wings were able to host one. Let's hope. I hope they get a team. I want a team. I want a, I want a Detroit women's hockey team whenever this league happens. Please make it happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, and for now, Evan will walk you through the amazing moment that happened in professional. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going to jump into overtime where on this episode of the winged wheel podcast is sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook. We are going to get into our uh, FanDuel Sportsbook NHL picks segment just here. Uh, but we've partnered with FanDuel Sportsbook because they are the number one sportsbook in America for so many reasons. Uh, it's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and easy. You get your money back to you in a early as 24 hours uh, and they're constantly running odds boosts and special promos like right now uh, you have a $1,000 no strings attached bet if you win you keep the cash if you lose you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit more on that in a couple minutes here uh, but for now let's do our uh, last little round of uh, FanDuel Sportsbook NHL picks for a little while um and once we're we've wrapped up this bunch of them, we're going to do more, you know, later on, I think later this month, uh, we'll see which one of us has been the best about it. So tomorrow night's games, Monday night. Um, I love, I love, I love the drama that comes with the Canadian division as much as it's, we maybe we're oversaturated with it. Let's start with Toronto Edmonton. Um, Moneyline has Toronto as the, f- oh, actually. Yeah, Moneyline has Toronto as a very slight favorite. They are away. They're in Edmonton. So I don't know who you guys have picked for that series. <laughs> I would have liked Edmonton in that first game with Austin Matthews being out. And then holy hell would I have been wrong. I think Edmonton's going to play pissed off. I think Toronto might get a little overconfident. And I think McDavid and Drysaddle are embarrassed. They got shut out. So I'm taking Edmonton in this one. Judging by the amount of frustration I saw out of a couple key players in Edmonton uh, the last meeting, I would be taking Edmonton big time. So the over-under on that is actually set for, I agree with you guys actually on the Edmonton pick, first of all. The over-under is set high. It's set at six and a half. And the 
over is the favorite there. So they're banking on seven goals. Look, these bad defense, bad goalies in this division, we know. I have a hard time repeatedly betting against teams to to constantly let in a ton of goals. I don't think that's a bad bit. That's a bad bet to go on the uh, under there at six and a half. You might make some money there. I don't know. Austin Matthews, whether he plays or not, will have a lot to do with that. I also don't think the Edmonton goaltending heater is sustainable. It's just a matter of when that bubble bursts. Toronto just put up a four spot on them. Toronto's a good bet to burst that bubble. I don't think Edmonton's recipe for success against Toronto is winning 2-1. So I I like the over here just because if I had to guess, like if, if I had to pin a score, how's Edmonton going to get revenge? I see like a 5-3 game. Like that's, that's their recipe for success because I'm sorry you're not holding Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander down. And if you do, it's not going to be for long. So, yeah, I, I like Edmonton in the over. I know it's kind of the obvious pick, and generally when there's the obvious pick there, it goes the other way, but I, I still like it. Well, Toronto and Edmonton are the two top teams for goals four in the league. So, hell yeah. The over seems to make a lot of sense to me. All right, uh, the Minnesota Kaprizov, sorry, the Minnesota Wild against or at Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas being Vegas, they are the favorite, but man, Minnesota, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is fun to watch. Dollar, dollar, Bill Kirill. I hate, I hate you so much for that. Although that's the T-shirt they've been wearing in the dressing room. I also hate it, Ryan. How have you not seen that? I spend most of my time uh, pretty much texting you, bashing you. That's fair. We did get the uh, Minnesota LA Retroverse matchup that we wanted. That was oh, that was a yes. sight. Oh, that was amazing. By um, the way, um, Arjun messaged me. They have the Youth LA Kings ret- Reverse Retro in stock. You need to get an Athens CU for Mika. Oh, don't tempt me. I've got no <laughs> money to spend right now. Oh man, that's tough because I always have a hard time betting against Vegas. But there's just something going on in Minnesota that I. Uh, other than Kaprasov that I can't figure out. Do you go with old faithful or do you go with, with the heater? I, I really don't know here. What's, what's the line? Uh, minus one fifty eight for Vegas plus one thirty four for Minnesota. Mm, that's not swaying me a ton one way or the other. I'm going to go with Vegas. I'm going to go with old faithful here. I'm not going to get weird. I I like Vegas. They're one of the top teams in the league for a reason. And every heater comes to an end eventually. So if there's a team that makes sense to stop it, it's Vegas. Hey, man, I say bet on exciting hockey. If you want to, if you know you're betting on the underdog, you know, there's a good chance you're going to lose. At least do it betting on Kaprizov. I'd say take the wild here over under set at five and a half very quickly over or under. Who do you take? Under. I have no research into this pick, but I just feel like the under on this one. All right. I'm going to go against you guys and say over. And very quickly, we're going to do Vancouver, Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg's a favorite. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, Winnipeg. Don't bet on Vancouver right now. (laughs) No, no, God, no. And uh, the under over under set at six and a half with the under being the favorite. Under. I'm feeling the under on that one, especially with yeah. Alibook and Ed and at least one end of the ice. 
Uh, for those of you who are f- uh, fans of parlays, maybe that's your safe one to add in there. <laughs> All right. Again, that is the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, make sure you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Again, uh, if you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. I'm going to start muttering that in my sleep pretty soon. That was very well executed. Thank you. That's the nicest thing Evan has literally ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, uh, let's jump into overtime, where we're going to start off by reading the comments and questions from our beautiful Winged Wheel podcast patrons, patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast. I should start reading commercials. Uh, Mohit Cider says, so since I'm a patron, all I have to do is write it here. That's absolutely right, Mohits. God damn it. March 1st is tomorrow, so that means spring is here and the pussy willows will start to bloom. The pussycats will come out of hiding in search of a mate. The 38th anniversary of the movie Octopussy will excite lots of James Bond fans. I'm sure. Let's not pussyfoot around the bush. Ryan is very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) I read it out because it was clever. Uh, Ryan Hubbard, who I believe is a new name level sponsor. So, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, joining that I believe it's Evans Enigmas. That's a tier you joined. Uh, as someone who wanted Blast Shield to get the benefit of the doubt, I finally see he needs to go. Putting Helm, a bottom forward on the top line, has to go. Who do you think is the most realistic replacement for Blast Shield by the end of the year? Also, let's go Gino. Hope he stays up. We need it. If we're talking in-season change, Dan Bilesma. If we're talking off-season, I, I still like Gerard Gallant. I'm going to say Gallant's not the easy pick there. I'm going to go not off the board. He's one of the more talked about names. I think Lane Lambert might be the move here. Um, Former defenseman Ryan Hanna says, Hey all, glad no one listened when Ryan said to temper the expectation on Evgeny. What's the over-under on the Svetch brothers playing against each other for the first time on Thursday, March 4th? Ooh, I say it happens. I have hope, very foolishly. I I want to say it's going to happen because, like, there's no way this keeps happening on this team, but I say stuff. There's no way stuff like this keeps happening. And then it happens. So I'm going to say 50, 50. Uh, Antonio Gracias says, I'm just so happy you guys didn't go bankrupt. Giving away all those shirts. Yeah. That giveaway. Holy shit. Thanks for that (laughs) one, Ryan. (laughs) I didn't think it lost that long. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Give away a bunch of T-shirts. This will cost us like maybe a hundred bucks. Not that bad. What the fuck, Ryan? (laughs) I didn't give Mel. Today's Mel's birthday. I didn't get her a gift because I had to pay for shirts. (laughs) I'm kidding. I got her gifts. So please, please, Mel, don't kick me out. Um, So happy to see everyone get theirs on Saturday against Chicago. Haven't seen Sunday's game yet, but at this point, the season could end and I'd be happy. Also, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is amazing. Evan knows what's up. Sure. Best place I've ever been. 
Yes, best definitely real place that you guys all have been to, and I believe. You can't convince me this isn't an inside joke for wealthy people that we're just not in on. (laughs) It's like the Winnipeg airport thing, but like seven income tax classes higher. (laughs) I can't afford to live there. That's for sure. I can just afford a trip there maybe, maybe once a year. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't been on a trip since my honeymoon. Please, Evan, describe it to me. Yeah, well, he, God, he decided to have children. <laughs> That's where your money went. No one made you do that. Oh, oh God damn it! Arjun Shanker says no one ever reads the part of the email that sees, says please keep your comment slash question short and sweet to help with airtime and show quality. Nerd, everyone knows it's literally impossible to improve the show quality via listener comments. Anyways, <laughs> um. <laughs> I just want to say I do appreciate the people who do keep it succinct. Um, you'll catch me like having to parse on air. And um, I'm not – Mel describes me fondly as a himbo, which I think is accurate. And so watching my brain try to, to, to compress the comments so I can read them out quick enough on air is – you can see my eyes twitch a little bit. Uh, Laplata Peak says Sunday's game starts in two and a half hours, and even if it ends in an eight-one Blackhawks victory with Kane getting career goals four hundred to four hundred three, I will be listening to this podcast with more hope for this team. Since I thought they'd be drafting Jacob Chikrin with the sixteenth pick in twenty sixteen. Wow, that that comment spoke to my soul. Uh, energy the wings have brought lately is very encouraging and very little of it has to do with Mantha and obviously none of it has to do with Bertuzzi. If this continues over the next 10 games or so, I will be less shocked if one or two of them get moved at the deadline. When the season started, I thought there was zero chance they would start next season without one of those guys on the team. But at this point, I think it's even money that this happens. I'd be surprised if Burt gets moved, honestly. Yeah. Uh, all Burt being out of this lineup has done is increased his salary for next year. Sid Phyllis says, Gagne, most accidental accidental hat-trick in history. Did he mean to score any of those goals? Doesn't matter. To quote annoying hockey commentators, that's hockey, baby. (laughs) Uh, Stetcher Train says, Mickey Redmond on Patrick Kane. Can he he make chicken soup out of some smelly stuff? Moral of the story, don't be a cold mackerel. Man, Mickey was hysterical on Saturday's game. Just Mickey going, he's colder than a mackerel. And Ken going, colder than a mackerel and mickey explaining to him that mackerel live in the bottom of the (laughs) oh man callan s says obviously the team is better with larkin in obviously we've had one game to go on but are there some things that were done due to his absence that might have been very effective i only watch highlights but the goals look like legit goals unlike the nashville game nope it's just a goddamn coincidence some players got their shit together when larkin went out maybe the fact they realized they couldn't just coast off of his talents uh got them move their feet moving a little more uh brent rasmick says not wings related but you are you surprised by lafreniere's play so far as it stands uh four points 19 games 14 minutes time on ice i know hughes didn't exactly blow the doors off but doesn't lafreniere play on a better line and some analysts projected it happened Projected him to have 25 goals this shortened season. No, it's not surprising. I, I don't know what shifted over the last couple of years to make it so much harder for 17, 18, 19-year-olds to come into this league and, and succeed. But, I mean, Kaprizov's comfortably in the running for rookie of the year uh, right now, and he's like 24. Look at a bunch of the guys behind him. Kurashev, Suter, we just watched the Hawks. They're older rookies. Uh, Stutzla started hot, but he's really cooled off. Um, I I don't know. It, it, this is weird, but it, it seems to be the new trend. So I'm not 
all that concerned about it if I were a Rangers fan. Uh, Conrad Lincoln, the Black Lumberjack, says, Good day, gents. Did you get the memo? In honor of the Wings scoring the power play, Gary Bettman has decided that all Red Wings podcasters must take a vehemently disliked NHL player with them on the first post-pandemic vacation. What currently despised NHL player are you taking on your with you on holiday? This is mandatory. No funny business. Hashtag wear the do-rag, Brad. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say Marshawn, but I don't know. I'll say Marshand. It wouldn't be boring. Tom Wilson? No, ew, you might die. Yeah, I mean, won't be boring. Fair. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time, Brad. <laughs> Tom Wilson is a good one. Yeah. And Marshawn was the one that stuck out to me originally. Yeah, like, and I've got extra incentive to bring Marshawn along with me, because for once in my life, I won't be the worst Brad in the room. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're, you don't get to vote on that yeah it's not you definitely don't get a vote <laughs> i don't know who to say here tom wilson and both brad Marchand were the two i was gonna say one of you has to pick wilson Perry. yeah i was gonna say someone's gotta pick Corey Perry. Perry. sure uh justin Kraft says hey guys in between red wings lows i find myself mainlining that sweet sweet michigan hockey kool-aid and i want to know between man powers veneers or johnson if you can only add one to detroit's prospects who are you picking and why Sorry, Powers, Benier, Johnson, and who? Did I miss one there? Man with two N's. Oh. Uh, right. God. Is it Benier's right now? Because I think it might be Benier's right now. It might be Benier's right now, but... It's a close draft class. God, I've had each one of them ahead of the other two at some point throughout the season. Given everything a wash... Man, the wing's biggest need probably is Owen Power. And that's the boring answer, but yeah, I don't necessarily think he'll be better than the other two, but when it's this close, sure, we'll go with positional need, Owen Power. Jet Ski Guy Stan Club says, yeah, buddy, we absolutely need more helm clips. Every time this kid steps on the ice, someone scores. Kid's dirt nasty, man. Does Cooch have one goal this season? Don't think so, bud. I'm telling you, Darren Golden Boy Helm is potting over 20, or potting 20 over an 82 game pace in 21. Calling it right now. Clap bombs, be respectful to moms. Wheel snipes, wheel snipe and Sally boys. Ferk. When did the writer of Letterkenny become a Darren Helm stan? I love, I'm surprised it took that long for that copy pasta to be uh filled with darren helm stuff yeah fair uh tyrone bigham's brand no that's gross farts i'll just say farts i got judged by my buddy when i said glennie is modern day draper he can do more than just take face-offs but his bread and butter is face-offs am i wrong on this feeling i'm not saying it's a perfect comparison though yeah uh, chris draper won a selkie they are not the same player <laughs> uh hockey virgin says hey guys so since i'm new to being a fan of the red wings i also have a lot of time on my hands so i decided to go back to an early episode and found out three fun facts one ryan and evan switched places as time went uh time went on ryan was always gone and evan surprisingly was not into uh evan wasn't as gone as much or i I think that's what he's trying to say here the last time brad was single i was four years old i'm 21 right now how did he do it i don't know how I found it funny you guys were complaining about two weeks of no scoring in the power play when it's five on four, then oh, how the hockey gods don't forget. Anyways, before I forget, uh, for Brad's nickname, you guys should have gave him a white rapper name since he doesn't want to wear do-rag. I decide Mayo Nasp and his gang. I, I don't, I think this is treading into dangerous territory here. I'm not sure I want, <laughs> I want this to go too much further for Brad's sake. Um, 
I'm going to try to comprehend that comment after because I think it's hysterical. Brad's anger manifested says Detroit pulls out two great wins in a row. Svechnikov plays great in his first game back. Can't wait for Blash to healthy scratch him against Carolina. All I want in the world is the Carolina game. All I want in the world is the brothers to play against each other. Absolutely. Uh, this next comment is from Evan Lobsinger, and you know it's him because it even has the picture of him on there. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was on mute. The Red Wings finally did it and scored a power play goal. Wilson on a two-game win streak. Can anyone say absolute heater? Nice. As many of you saw, the totally legitimate and fully sanctioned podcast giveaway run by the podcast owner, Rowan, on Twitter finally saw a winner. We're off the hook for having to buy a jersey. Brad's stick is safe, but sadly, my driver and hitting net have been won. <laughs> you missed that, Evan. Did you see that on Twitter? Yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't uh, reply to any of it. I just scrolled through it and closed the app. Uh, after drawing uh, names out of a hat, the winner is Antonio Gracias. Please send Ryan your details, and we'll get this prize out to you ASAP. Congrats, Antonio. Yeah, Evan, you have to send Antonio your driver and hitting that now. Okay. <laughs> uh, in honor of the giveaway, I'll do my own version of Jersey Time. Top three NHL Jersey cameos and movies. So it's really top two because one is super obvious. It's Gordy Howe and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We all know that. Um, lastly, great to see the initiative to donate to the Jamie Daniels Foundation for the lack of power play goals uh, was so well received and followed through on. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Best jersey cameos and movies. Does Happy Gilmore wear a Bobby Orr jersey or a Gilmore jersey? I think it's just blank. Does it have? No, it, wasn't it just jerseys? They didn't need a name, right? Do we have to go with movies? Can I just uh, pick pop culture ones? Because I mean, Snoop Dogg rocking up. A- the old school diagonal Pittsburgh jersey in a music video is pretty legend. Oh, there's a picture out there of Tupac Shakur wearing a Red Wings jersey. That's up there. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the Tupac one probably counts. I think it might be a blank Boston jersey, Evan. But that's probably a really good one. I always think of the Tupac jersey as well. <sighs> that's hard. There's the Rihanna randomly wearing an Ottawa Senators jersey. And like one of the good Ottawa Senators jersey, which makes it really rare. Hockey jerseys in movies. Hmm. Is there? There's one in Clerks. Oh, uh, uh, Robin wearing a Vancouver jersey in How I Met Your Mother. Which, I mean, I don't like to think of that show anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this. I I don't know if there's enough there. I think yes, Snoop Dogg and his music videos on there. Um. Oh, how am I forgetting the character's name? The whole scene with the doctor and scrubs at the bar where he's lecturing the new yes. guy on the Detroit yes. Red Wings. Yes. Thank you. That was another Red Wings one that wasn't going to we were going to skip past. You will sit there and I will tell you for the next 20 minutes why the Detroit Red Wings are the greatest sports franchise. <laughs> was it a Chris Chelios jersey? I, I don't remember. Uh, Jake Kiefer says, after binge watching TLC's hit show, My 600 Pound Life, I came away with one Billy Bean esque galaxy brain question. Can an entire NHL team hire a person so large they take up the entirety of the net? There's actually been sports science episodes yep. on this. They had George Peros shoot on a sumo wrestler. George Peros shot like 80%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lars, a prophet of the towering behemoth says, so halfway into the season, which players have surprised you the most in both a positive and negative way? Are we talking just Red Wings here? Red Wings. Uh, negative. Ha- I'm sorry. Negative has to be Mantha. No. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Positive. I'll go. Oh, Christian juice. He was a waiver pickup and now he's one of the best players on the team. <laughs> I think Christian juice is the right answer. 
I don't think I would say Stetcher here because I expected Stetcher to be good, but Juice is a really good answer. I think if not Juice, I'll go Bernier doing it again in my mind. That's a great positive. Uh, Michael Barry says, if Jeff Skinner was traded to Detroit, what would the conditions have to be for you say for you to say that's a good deal on Detroit's end? Uh, Jack Eichel coming with him. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't come with a first, if it doesn't come with salary retained, and if it doesn't come with some kind of prospect as well, I have a hard time reconciling that contract. I actually think Skinner doesn't have to be this bad right now. I don't I think, think Jeff Skinner, Jeff Skinner isn't this bad, and I will argue that. Yeah. Like, he is not that far removed from being a 30-goal scorer. I mean, what's the bare minimum I'm taking for Buffalo to take on Jeff Skinner's contract? Dylan Cousins. I think that's the bare minimum. And I probably would want a little more than that because if I'm wrong and Jeff Skinner is what he is, that's a top two worst contract in the NHL. Weekend at Bernier says Nielsen, Helm, Fopola, and Svech all over Saturday's box score. Ten goals in two games. Are we in the upside down? Anyways, props to Jeff O'Neill for having this Stugats, Stugats, to call out uh, Mike Babcock and his BS Redemption Tour. As always, keep up the good work, boys. You always give us great content and a tough time for Red Wings fans. Thank you kindly. Ian says, last week there's some kerfuffle about whether it's appropriate to have a jersey with your own last name on it. My last name is Power. What's the verdict on getting an Owen Power jersey if the Red Wings have drafted him? 100%. That's the best of both worlds. Are you kidding? You're an idiot if you don't do it. Yeah, I'm getting a Bobby Ryan jersey even though I know he won't be on the Red Wings for very long. 100%. (laughs) I'll probably wait till he gets traded so they're cheaper. Um, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company says, Hey there, fellas. Just got to point out again that the power play goal Juice scored uh, came with Mantha and Zadina on the same unit. Fabry uh, with Fabry and Gagne. They need to run this unit from here on out. Just imagine that. Then rolling Larkin, Burt, Ryan, Nemesnikov, Ronick. Rest of the season could go one of two ways. Relatively well as PDO reverts to the norm and the new roster additions continue to build chemistry. Um... Or it could be a barrel of suck since they have a much harder second half schedule and will eventually lose some key players via trade. I've enjoyed the last two games. They've had the fortune of exposing two goalies who just plain stink. Buckle up. Things could get interesting. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Terry, driver of Evan's Firk Wagon, says, Good day, Dud Duds. Terry, the wagon driver here. There's a new item in Dud Duds shop and it's crying Ryan Hannah's banana slamma jamma thong. thong. It, comes, it only comes in bitch pigeon pink, which may be lightly used. Use promo code STONKS to save 69% on your purchase, Evan, when you're going to make a trip to ride Nubs Knob. Brad, continue to stay off sides. That is the most... <laughs> delirious comment i have ever read and i'm not convinced it's not rowan who made a second patreon account just to get it in there that's like <laughs> more radical rowan evan beckner says how does glennie compare to blake coleman or jg pajot asking for a friend he doesn't uh the podcast uh love the podcast boys but i never saw thought i'd see the guys you, the day you guys sold out i won't be listening to any betting advice uh but go wings <laughs> uh hey if you want to not listen to our betting advice then that's great betting advice because then just bet the opposite way yeah if you want to make a lot of money just do the exact opposite of what we say and uh FanDuel will literally have to send you endless amounts of cash <laughs> 
Matt Keeler says fire Blash Hill keeps Svetch in Detroit. Steve Langerman says let's go two wins in a row, and I think we're all loving it. Svetch is on fire. We got a power play goal. Life is good. Now all we need is some Detroit deep dish drop pass, wings, and pizza shirt, and we'll be living large. They're in the works. Also, huge shout out to Prashanth and you guys for the uh, Jamie Daniels Foundation donations. What a great idea by some classy podcast hosts. Gotta love being part of this community community, and let's go Red Wings. Michael Barry says, in honor of Jason Sudeikis' Golden Globe win, what fictional coach do you want coaching the Wings? Oh, what the hell was the name of Samuel L. Jackson's character in that one skit with Chris Chelios? Oh, I forget, but that's a great answer. That's That's, that's the only answer. Uh, or the coach from Remember the Titans. Just because that'd be funny. What about Vern Troyer from The Love Guru? Uh, deal. <laughs> uh, next comments from And I'm Devin. Says, new patron. Been listening to you guys for a little over a year. Uh, lost my job last November and just started a new one on Monday. Hey, Devin, congrats, man. My celebration was a bottle of Knob Creek 10-year single barrel select and to finally support you, even if it's just a little. Thank you for being my only true source of consistency through this utter chaotic time. How's the house hunting going for you guys? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. I'm I'm renting till I die. (sighs) I don't even know what to say. You know, uh, it's always the same with me. We <laughs> so upped our got- budget and we still can't afford anything right now. <laughs> so you guys didn't win that uh, lottery, Evan, I take it? No. there was. Did I tell you there was 5,500 applications for 28 yeah. lots? Yeah, we did yeah. not. Uh, Jeremy Brocker says, new patron. I've been meaning to become a patron for a while. Getting a shirt from the PowerPlay Twitter giveaway made me want to return the favor. Been listening since the Zadina draft. Thanks for being a light in these dark times of hockey. Jeremy, thank you uh devin thank you all new patrons thank you so much it, it, it means a lot to us all right uh time for a couple reddit questions here winger dinger 19 says i want troy stetcher back hey me too uh kakaroto 007 says any thoughts on petrozelli turning pro after college by the time he finally plays his first nhl game in let's say two years it'll have been a decade since peter Mrazek played his first game let that sink in for a moment oh Ew. um lots of hope for Petrozelli. He's been he's had another great year. Um if he turns pro after college, that's huge for Detroit. Well, he has to. If uh Detroit doesn't sign him this year, we lose his rights. They have to sign him by August 15th or whatever the revised date is going to be this year. That is just the fact. Um and he wasn't Petrozelli one of the 10 finalists for NCAA goalie of the year? Yes, he was. Hell yeah. Um, again, this stupid webpage cut off the last comment here. So it's going to be Ando772 says, I'm not sure. Can someone clarify? Did Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane scores 400th? Because NBC said he did, but you know, just one more time maybe to be sure. Yeah, that was getting to be excruciating. Um, all right. We are going to wrap up there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We are going to be back with you midweek after on Wednesday. The Columbus game is Tuesday night. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, um, our uh, sponsor, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code WWP. Uh, our name level patrons, uh, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of Evans Furkwagen, Taylor Tagel, Ryan Hubbard, R.A., Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Qasem, 
Hana Lee, Sam Bankson, Andrew Bohan, Jeremy Brocker, Kevin McCracken, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Connor Leighton, put C Sauce uh, on my wings, Matt Keeler, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Afornia Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys. Take care. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.